Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. A ten. Hi, Caitlin. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know what that means. I don't speak your military jargon because I'm an art student in New oh York my City. Gosh. Wait, by art student, do you mean owns a ribbon dancer? (laughs) Well, guess what? I love the uh, military industrial complex, even though I'm a 15-year-old girl. Well, now that you put it like that, it sounds really cool and appealing, and I will also be in love with it. Let's kiss! (laughs) And that's the plot of today's movie. Uh, this is Vectocast. Uh, my name is Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante, and uh, this is our podcast where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechdel test simply as a jumping off point. Jamie, mm-hmm. what is it? What's the Bechdel test? Oh, right. Uh, the Bechdel test is a uh, media metric invented by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel, sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace test. Uh, There's many variants on it. What we use, it requires that two people of a marginalized gender with names must speak to each other about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue a lot of movies don't pass mm-hmm. two lines of dialogue or also again our our kind of new mm. our, the newest caveat the meaning meter yeah the, <laughs> is it a meaningful conversation that could, could the conversation be removed from the movie and nothing would be impacted kind of thing fortunately i don't think a, a problem will really be having today because today Mm -mm. we are unlocking one of our favorite episodes from our patreon aka matreon we do this 
but we've only done this a couple of times. There's over 80 episodes uh, in the Matreon. Mm-hmm. If you're in, if you've run out of main feed episodes, uh, that is where we cover maybe like not even less requested movies, just kind of like more niche, goofy, uh, goofy movies. Mm. Uh, <laughs> An extremely goofy movie. I can't believe even. we haven't covered any goofy movies. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, I know that Danny Fernandez wants to come on and talk about a goofy movie. Uh, Thank goodness. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're, we're unlocking one of our favorite episodes today. Uh, and it's a returning guest to the main feed. Kia mm-hmm. Brown talks mm-hmm. to us about Cadet Kelly DCOM classic sexual awakening for many. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, as you'll hear on the episode, uh, I, until very recently, didn't know what a DCOM was. So Cadet Kelly was one of the first ones I had ever seen. You've come and, a long um, way since we recorded this, too. I mean, I, I feel like I have... you've been radicalized a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. But, you know, we did a DCOM month last year on... The Matreon, and this episode that we're unlocking is one of the ones from that. And um, yes, now I'm now I'm a full on decom head. We've literally had an iconic decom star on our damn show at this point. The it's true. incredible Gracie Gillum. You know we're decom heads, die hard <laughs> for life. Uh, and Cadet Kelly certainly, I feel like, is is among many generations at this point considered a top tier decom, in spite of all its military industrial themes. So <laughs> yes. there you go. So there you go. So this is um this is a Matreon episode. So you might notice it's a little loose. It's a li- it is extremely goofy. And, and if you're like, hey, I love these vibes, mm, you can sign up for it if you if you so choose. Yes, this is our plug for the Matreon. And because uh, we usually plug it at the end of the episodes. And I'm like, people probably, you know, they they skip over that. So here we are at the beginning, plugging the Matreon. Mm. Go to patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. It is $5 a month. It gets you these two bonus episodes every month plus access to the as you said Jamie 80 or more episodes that we have accumulated yeah I'll read off some recent uh some recent oh, episodes please. to, to whet your appetite uh <laughs> we just we just finished uh okay this is one of our worst themes this is not <laughs> uh Borat Titanic month we did uh, Borat subsequent movie film and Titanic again. We've also uh-huh. recently did we we observed Molina March this year with Ralph Breaks the Internet and the Da Vinci Code. We uh-huh. did I forget what we called this movies with an animal in the title February. Oh y- yes, it was something very clunky like that. Yeah, with Chicken Run and Coyote Ugly, and then we did Amy Adams. She can do it all. She can act in any genre. January uh, with Enchanted and Arrival, and that's just a taste. That's just a taste. There's 86 episodes on the Matreon. Good Lord. Holy cow. Wait, is that the letterboxed list that you're pulling from? No, I'm pulling from scholarly journal Wikipedia that is fully updated. Wow. Incredible. Shout out to whoever edits our Wikipedia page because it is up to date. I love it. Please, if it is you, apologies for us forgetting that it's you. Please let us know who you are so that we can properly credit you. And send when you we do merch refer to it. and like yeah. 
we I I just I feel indebted to you because you know more about our show than I do. Uh, I refer to this page all the time. Amazing. Um, so enjoy this episode, this unlocked episode on Cadet Kelly, and enjoy Kia Brown, the Bechdel Cast. Hi, matrons. Hi, matrons. It's part two of Decom July. I have genuinely been enjoying this um, this decom July. I mean, as with every decom July, aka we've never done this before, but <laughs> but I, I Caitlin, you are becoming a full fledged decom stand after years of saying things like, "What is this? What is a decom? I don't like these. <laughs> these are boring. I, All truly... of a sudden, you've seen the light." <laughs> I truly owe you, Jamie, and everyone an apology because <laughs> I did not know how influential these films were. I just, mm. I didn't realize that everyone had grown up with them except for me. I didn't realize how important they were to so many people and still are for some of them. I just, I completely somehow missed I mean, I know how it's because I, I grew up without cable. And I also, again, I was, I'm the age where as they were becoming popular, I was aging out of like that demographic of media intended for children and families. Sure. So that's how I haven't seen any of them. But now that I've seen a few of them and like a fair number of the ones I've seen, including... You went off curriculum. I went off, not for the podcast or anything, although I think it would be really interesting to cover this movie someday, oh, is Teen, teen Beach love. Movie. It is my favorite movie now. It's so good. It's just... It's like Back to the Future meets Pleasantville meets uh, West Side Story. It's great. I loved it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm. I guess I. You could say I'm a. I'm a decom stan. <laughs> I yes, I'm so glad that you're here with us with the decom community. Let's keep covering decoms. The <laughs> podcast has pivoted. No, but we have been covering so so many. We just did. We have, uh, when you listen to this, there's an upcoming Cheetah Girls episode mm -hmm. that I'm really excited about. And so, but today, so we, we conducted a survey to see, mm -hmm. taking the temp on what the DCOMs you felt strongest about. Also, it, it warrants saying that when we were soliciting um, options on Twitter and Instagram, the most overwhelming response we've ever gotten to anything ever in the history of ever. Truly. People feel really strongly. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> but so the options we gave you and if you're listening i guess you already had access to this info but we had uh, smart house motocross cadet kelly spoiler alert uh 13th year <laughs> and double teams it was it was a tight ish race between smart house and cadet kelly i thought smart house was gonna win but what did i know oh you can't the, i i felt i felt like cadet kelly was gonna take it but we should cover smart house at some time because it's like techno future dystopia right i haven't seen it in like at least 10 years but i feel like maybe it holds up but you know that's not always true well 
next year for DCOM July, we'll cover Teen Beach Movie and Smart House. We might even cover DCOM July. We might observe 2021's DCOM July this September. We just don't know. Wow. The calendar is unpredictable <laughs> on the Patreon. Sometimes July comes in September. It's technically Portman July right now, but I heard that this year that falls in next March. <laughs> well, also, we can't forget about JLo July, which mm. we last year observed in September. <laughs> That's true. And when JLo July comes back around again, who knows? It's always July, but it's never July. <laughs> so it's DCOM March. And uh, I'm, my head hurts now. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Cadet Kelly won by over 100 yeah. votes on, on the Matreon. And so True. here we are discussing Cadet Kelly. I am very excited to talk about this movie with you, Caitlin. Um, this was your first time seeing it, correct? Correct. Okay. This was my, one of my favorite DCOMs as a kid. But like many DCOMs, I remembered basically zero plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, um, you know, I just, this was a movie that I really liked as a kid. And I like to watch it over and over. And I like to watch certain parts over and over. And then you get older and you're like, I see. Uh, <laughs> I see what was going on there. Um, Cadet Kelly is fascinating and it's good and Mm -hmm. quick context I guess before we we do the recap because we also have a secret surprise guest today um, to talk about all of uh, the queer glory and Cadet Kelly. Mm -hmm. So we'll cut to that little segment a little later on Um, but yeah be ready for that. But so this movie came out in 2002. At the time, it was the highest, like the most viewed Disney Channel original movie ever. Hmm. Uh, Eight million people tuned in on the premiere night of this movie, which is wow. pretty, pretty huge. Yeah. I, um, and I think that a lot of the reason that was was because they pulled out all the stops for this decom. They took two of their most popular stars on the channel Hilary Duff, a.k.a. Lizzie McGuire, which was, like, mm-hmm. kicking off at this. And then Ren Stevens, a.k.a. Christy Carlson Romano, a.k.a. also Kim Possible, but I don't think Kim Possible was out yet at this point. Anyways, two Disney Channel icons who had never been in anything before, and so it was that epic crossover, and it uh, and Gary Cole, I'm sure, was very... Gary Cole's appeared. in the movie! Tween girls loved <laughs> Gary Cole! They demanded him! <laughs> So, you know, I think that some people would say it was Hillary and Christy Carlson Romano who brought us. But I can say as a tween who was there as a nine year old mm-hmm. at this time, I can tell you for sure we were tuning in for Gary Cole. For Gary Cole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I was shocked because normally I feel like, I mean, D, D- comes cast, you know, not not that Gary Cole's like an A-lister, but he tends to be in cinema that is like getting wide studio releases and you know, he's like a he's a recognizable person, a character actor, mm-hmm. and then like DCOMs will pull from like the like F or G list actor. My theory is that because I looked this up because I was like, I feel like I know why Gary Cole did this movie. I think it's because he had a tween daughter at this time. Oh. So I think it was one of those. I mean, also, I I, I can't imagine these movies pay particularly well for their supporting cast. <laughs> Again, they have $14 
per their budget per each decom. And you know, twelve of those dollars are going to Hillary Duff. So, <laughs> but but I think I looked it up, and uh, Gary Cole has uh, has a daughter who I think would have been like seven or eight when this movie came out. So I bet it was like one of those choices to say like, mm-hmm. guess what? I'm cool. And then he was cast as the lamest character. So <laughs> it's too bad. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense though. Cool. Are we ready for the recap? Let's recap. Cadet okay. Kelly. So we meet Kelly Collins. That's Hilary Duff. She goes to an arts school in New York City. Ever heard of it? Who is she? The Cheetah Girls? <laughs> oh, I love... This was also like a peak... I'm sorry. I'm already like getting excited. <laughs> but this was like peak... I mean, I guess this is still peak, but like tween entertainment loves teen art schools in new york there was also a show out at this time it's called taina on nickelodeon i think i've brought it up before because the title character is in freaky friday but um it was all about a girl pursuing her artistic dreams in new york but she was only 15 very exciting very compelling plot okay sorry wow (laughs) okay well So she goes to this art school. We meet her parents who are divorced from each other, but they still have their on friendly terms. Her dad is a, has a job. I'm not sure. He's a photojournalist, I think. I think or something. So. Yeah, it's kind of vague, uh, but they're close. I did really appreciate that they made it, and I feel like amicable divorce, not life-ruining divorce on mm-hmm. screen um, is pretty rare representation to the point that even watching it in 2020, I was like, Ooh, you don't, that's so nice. You don't see that a lot. Like they, they broke up because they simply were not in love anymore and it's fine. Yeah. Also like just the fact that Disney acknowledges divorce at all in was something that I found surprising. Cause like, they're like, yeah, well maybe one of the parents is in the, in the picture, but it's because she's dead. She, the mom died. <laughs> There no it was I found that very but that's that's the beauty of the decon that's where they test these ideas to say true are we is America ready and then the tweens are always ready and then it makes its way into the theatrical releases sure and then we get Moana the most progressive text of all time <laughs> I think we can draw a direct <laughs> line from this to Moana oh, okay so um. We also meet her mom, who's a working woman. Her job is also a little unclear. She's an editor. She I think, just said, of some "I'm kind. done editing." When she suddenly yes. leaves her job, she's like, "I'm done. I'm done is editing." Is she a video editor? Is she the editor of a like a major magazine trope? I mean, if we're to guess based on tropes, she's almost ma- definitely she works, at a she works at a magazine. She's like, she's like Jenna. <laughs> from 13 going on 30 yes wow i can't believe i got that reference (laughs) well look look at us look at us wowie so kelly's mom announces that she is getting married to this guy joe that's gary cole Mm -hmm. um he is a retired military general and kelly takes this news well but then there's another surprise coming kelly's way and it is that they are all going to move to upstate new york because joe got a job as the commandant whatever that is i don't know i didn't fact check to see if any of this stuff was correct uh, <laughs> i'm just we're I just assuming didn't care that uh this is 
canon. This is true. <laughs> this is canon for the military. Yeah, so he's the commandant of a military school where Kelly will have to attend. Mm-hmm. And Kelly is very upset by this, but she has no choice in the matter. So she arrives to the military school. Uh, she does not fit in. She is not mm-hmm. like the other military school students. Mm-hmm. Also, at this point, we get it set up that there are students tossing around plastic rifles in unison, um, a.k.a. the drill team, which will become important. It becomes a plot point. Yeah. (laughs) Then she meets Carla. That's Andrea Lewis, who is nice. And for for listeners who were very watching television all the time at this time, Hazel from Degrassi, Andrea Lewis. So all my Degrassi heads, yes, that is Hazel. (laughs) Got it. Never watched that show. She later dates Drake on Degrassi. <gasps> she was Drake's uh, girlfriend on Degrassi, and she, but then she broke up with him because he was being an asshole. Ugh, well, speaking of assholes, so Carla is nice, but then Kelly meets Captain Jennifer Stone, a.k.a. Christy Carlson Romano, uh. who is mean. Uh. <laughs> um, and Kelly's like, you know what? This military school needs to be a kinder gentler place and it's up to me to change it Mm -hmm. which never ends up happening by the way um then uh kelly has another run-in with jennifer but carla is like hey i'll teach kelly how to military and (laughs) jennifer's like fine we also meet brad that's sean ashmore he's the cutest boy on campus who all the girls like but captain stone likes him but does she? We'll talk yeah. about that later. No, she doesn't. Um, so he is <laughs> he is off limits to all, all the other girls. There's a welcome back dance later that week. And then uh, Kelly takes Carla to her house so she can try on her dresses. Carla doesn't have any dresses of her own. It feels like there's an implication that she comes from like a, a low socioeconomic background. But the movie simply refuses to get more specific. it's frustrating Mm -hmm. then we see all the students doing drills kelly is struggling with this or i don't what is that what you call it i don't know they're doing they're like crawling in the mud whatever that's they're uh it's an obstacle (laughs) course course. (laughs) like i don't know Uh, yeah. I don't know military jargon and I don't care to find out. Okay. So Kelly's struggling. Jennifer continues to give her a hard time and she's like, you're going to stay here and do this until you get it right. Which means that Kelly misses the dance because mm-hmm. um, she's like doing this obstacle course again with uh, Gloria. But it's also raining and so there, it's like kind of like hot like it's weird <laughs> like they're they're like oh we're so like it's so wet oh, it's but we're raining. bonding oh, and you're like my clothes are clinging to my body and i don't i don't mean to like i'm not i'm I, i'm not trying to sexualize hillary duff i'm saying my experience watching this as a kid uh, sure. was like they're wet <laughs> like that it was the vibe <laughs> yes yeah so then Kelly falls down a she's already muddy and then she falls down a muddy hill tumbles through the doors into the dance right into Jennifer the, the most intense 
hill tumble upon also like this i guess lizzie mcguire already would have at this point but like this movie solidifies hillary duff's queen of the pratfall mm. uh i mean she pratfalls non-stop but this pratfall she the falling has stopped but she continues to fall into christy carlson romano <laughs> for 30 seconds she's like whoa whoa I'm like how have you not regained equilibrium at this point <laughs> like she can't stop falling it's it's incredible right, cause she she <laughs> she runs long after she would have like she would the momentum would have slowed by that point but she keeps barreling through the dance crashes into jennifer and then like is hanging off of her and falling <laughs> onto and into her for another 30 seconds 30s and it's then, incredible and then brad is like not helping jennifer no at all he's like oh i didn't know you could get down and dirty or something it's what he thinks is a hilarious joke right you're like brad shut up <laughs> shut up brad shut up Anyway, so Kelly has gotten mud all over Jennifer's white dress. And Kelly just continues to have a tough time at school. Uh, her mother tells her that she is pregnant with Joe's baby. She's grignant as hell. We'll talk about it. It's a plot baby. <laughs> she got pregnant with the second act of the movie. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. And then um, Jennifer is continuing to harass Kelly. Um, so then Kelly puts paint in Jennifer's hair, which she gets in huge trouble for. There's a whole hearing and her stepdad punishes Kelly by assigning her to help the drill team. This is the team that flings around plastic rifles mm -hmm. um, and she has to like shine their shoes and stuff. Mm. Then she starts to notice that what she thought was like a not cool thing that is done by robots is actually really beautiful. Um, and she's like, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could fling rifles around. Yeah. She tries and she's not really, she's really bad at it, but she's still, her interest remains. Uh, and then there's this meet where the team underperforms and Brad is like, Oh, we need inspiration. We need originality. We need creativity. And Kelly's like, wait a minute. We need improvised early two thousands dancing. <laughs> She's like, I went to an art school in New York city. Ever heard of it? I can, I'm creative. <laughs> and then she asks Gloria, who we saw in like the obstacle course scene to coach her and teach her how to do the drill rifle flinging and so we get a, a training montage then kelly tries out for the team and she makes it mm -hmm. and she and jennifer have that amazing dance off in the quad it's this isn't this is a, if you don't remember anything that happened in the movie you still remember this scene <laughs> the quad dancing yeah. for sure so Brad sees them dancing and he's like, wow, yes, this is the kind of stuff we need. So then Kelly approaches Jennifer and she's like, hey, what if we're like partners and we like do this dancing thing at the regional competition that's coming up? Love it. Because I guess they don't hate each other anymore. Well, they never. Slash they've always been in love. <laughs> right. <sighs> And then it's the day of the regionals, but wait a minute, Kelly's dad, who was supposed to be there, 
isn't there and she's worried that something might have happened to him so she decides to leave the competition with her stepdad joe aka mr gary cole trying to impress his daughter (laughs) (laughs) aka sir which is what he is i think in imdb his character's name is sir which is so funny to me yes this is well that's also like that is such a weird trend at this time they're well not like calling an executive male figure sir is not a trend uh but or it's a very long trend but there there was a do you remember there was a character named sir in holes john voigt plays a character named oh yes mr sir mr sir and then there Mm -hmm. was also in a series of unfortunate events a like mysterious male figure who only identified as sir it was a thing Hmm. in the early aughts wow also where's our holes episode where is our holes episode honestly i am still like struggling with deciding what my birthday picks are maybe holes is gonna knock (gasps) off something we'll see oh i would love that jamie i love holes (laughs) (laughs) i love holes zero and holes one of my biggest childhood crushes loved them oh my gosh anyway yeah i love the book love the movie okay so Joe and Kelly are like, we got to go find my dad. And they go to look for him in the wild- in the wilderness. And he has fallen off of a cliff, which, again, this is basically the same climactic sequence from Cheetah Girls, <laughs> where a dog falls in a hole. <laughs> Instead, we have dad falls off a cliff. This is <laughs> funny. Uh, it's funny because he has fallen off a cliff, is not hurt is not hurt not right there is that shot of him turning over his shoulder unscathed not even like a makeup scratch he's just Mm -mm, like kelly you're here i was like what was preventing you from getting up you seem fine like (laughs) even though he fell what was like i don't know 40 or more feet off of this cliff (laughs) onto a rock and it's like he how did you survive (laughs) he would have been so hurt if he had survived the fall Mm -hmm. but instead he's literally not a mark on the man but then right. he's still pulled on to, like, a gurney. Yes. It's really weird. It's really weird. I don't understand. Also, in both this movie and in Cheetah Girls, where, again, the climactic sequence at least partly involves a character falling in some way. Yeah. In both cases, those things don't have anything to do with the rest of the story. Like, no. why They're suddenly like, are we cat. focusing on the dad again? And it's like, what? She's in the middle of a competition right now. I feel like <sighs> the decom playbook takes the save the cat mentality very seriously very literally to the point where you yeah they're like we need to save someone yeah because they do interrupt the climax of the movie basically hillary duff misses a lot of the climax of the movie yeah to go save the dad like it's mm-hmm. a whole i don't know why it happens i do i will say i prefer the way it resolves in cheetah girls better which is they sing the dog out of the hole they just yes. lift the dad off the cliff i would rather they sang him up the cliff <laughs> but uh it just doesn't well i guess in so in the cheetah girls off. they're using they're they're using their singing skills which we which is a huge part of the story Sing in cadet kelly <laughs> in cadet kelly she's using her obstacle course training to mm. save her dad it's true so there's still some plan payoff there i guess there's definitely plans i think that that was like very intentionally done i just i think it's more fun to watch uh, the cheetah girl sing a dog out of a hole 
Uh, <laughs> but that's just, you know, we're all different. <laughs> also, and I didn't realize this until my second watch of the movie, where him having a tendency to fall is also planted because in the very beginning of the mm-hmm. movie, when he is picking her up at her art school, he's like balancing on a ledge and then just falls off of it. So yeah. I guess the screenwriter's like, well, we have to establish that he tends to fall. <laughs> Or else the climax won't make any sense. (laughs) Which is like really looking out for the viewer maybe a little too much. It's not Mm. absurd that anyone on a cliff might fall off of it. Right. It's inherent to cliffs. They're slippery. (laughs) (laughs) But but I appreciate Uh, the plant. (laughs) Yes, it was very uh, narratively important. Yeah. So then they they save the dad and this is the conclusion of a, a weird subplot that I don't think needs to be there where like well, I guess we can discuss it, but she's like, oh, my stepdad, who's been this rigid military man this whole time, is finally learning feelings. Right. Learning how to be a dad, blah, blah, blah. I don't hate it, you know? Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess it's like, why is so much real estate given to the dads all of a sudden? I don't hate that, like, men learn how to have feelings. That's nice. Like, military but, men um, specifically, too. I thought yeah. that, that was, like, a cool thing. We'll talk about it. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, so they they return to the competition just in time for Kelly and Jennifer to do their d- dancing thing, um, which is a part of the rifle slinging. Then Kelly's school gets second place in the competition. Mm-hmm. And then I think like Jennifer promotes Kelly. She's like, you're the cadet captain now. Which I didn't realize she had the power to do. <laughs> Right? I I don't know if it's like, I hope this happens for you, or if she's like, I'm promoting you because I have the authority to do that. What she she should be doing is apologizing, but uh, that's just not what this movie is going to do. But it does so Mm -hmm. many other things. Their their relationship (laughs) is still kind of abusive, though. (laughs) Yeah. And then that's the story, I think. They get second place, and then, um, yeah, she learns the value of having gone to military school. I get question mark? I guess. <laughs> so what we're going to do with this episode is we're going to now uh, cut to a, a discussion we had with uh, the wonderful uh, writer Kia Brown, mm-hmm. who is just a full-on cadet, Kelly Stan, an expert. And we're going to start by having a discussion with her about a lot of things, but mainly mm-hmm. focusing around um, the queer coded or perhaps just queer themes of cadet kelly Mm -hmm. and then we'll pop back in at the end and talk about a few other things so enjoy kia bean dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey i do too 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. 
Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it. And I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. So the first thing we want to do is to go into a segment with a special guest. She is a journalist. She's the author of the book, The Pretty One, on life, pop culture, disability, and other reasons to fall in love with me. It's Kia Brown. Hi. It's oh, me. hello. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really pumped. <laughs> You're a Cadet Kelly scholar. Yes, that's, I should put that on my resume or my website or something. Yeah, I am a scholar. Thank you. So a major thing about this movie that a lot of people have latched onto is the relationship between Kelly and Jennifer, among other characters, mm -hmm. and the romantic tension, the queer subtext, or in some case, for some people, like it's like queer text for them, yeah. not just subtext. It's almost exclusively what's been written about this movie since has to <laughs> all do with the queer... I'll, mm -hmm. let's, let's go with text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go with text. <laughs> but yeah, we're so excited to hear to hear your your thoughts on this. We know you've spoken to this before mm -hmm. on one of our favorite podcasts. Let's hang out. Yes. Yes. So we'll start by yeah. Just tell us what your relationship is, what your history with the movie is. Um. Well, I grew up like we all did on Hilary Duff, and so. <laughs> When her and Raven Simone were carrying Disney on their backs for that like <laughs> section of time when nobody else was doing anything worthy, they were like, fine, we'll do it. It's okay. And um, <laughs> no, Hilary Duff was like, I'll give you my time. Raven was like, yeah, me too. Sure. Whatever. Pay me. Um, and Cadet Kelly came out and I was like, I was like, wow, this is so great. Like. I was like, well, first of all, I've never really been a big fan of like military stuff, but I was like, we love Hillary Duff, so mm -hmm. I'll be watching. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, this is like really not 
straight. <laughs> <laughs> it is decidedly very gay. Yeah, like decidedly. And then I got older and I was like, oh, I was really right in my initial <laughs> thinking. Thank you, Kia, for being correct. Because what? There's nothing that's straight about that movie at all. Like there's <laughs> there's nothing. Not even the the love interest tracks. That doesn't even like Brad, Brad, why is he there? Get him out you of the story. Almost see the little sparkle in his eyes of like he's like, I don't belong here. <laughs> Get me out of this movie. He's like, this vehicle is not for me. I'm just here so I can get paid. And I respect that. Right. Like, otherwise it's just what what is he there for? He doesn't do anything really. No. Like he doesn't have any big moments. He spits on a shoe. It's so gross. It just goes that scene. I hate it to this day. I'm like, could, do you have to? And they like, and it's this whole thing. And I'm like, that's disgusting. Thanks. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He does it twice because mm-hmm. at first he's like, that's not how you shine a shoe. And then he spits on it. And then later, I guess when they're meant to be, the movie is trying to get you to think that Kelly is flirting with him. She's like, I could really use some more spit. Which and then he spits so again. Gross. Yeah, and I was like, right. Kelly, I don't know. I mean, Kelly's like not a very effective flirt with anyone, but that, but that was just that pushed me over the edge. I was mm-hmm. like, N- stop asking. Isn't he like the X Man who turns into ice? Isn't that what happened to him? I don't know much yeah. about the X Men, but he's I think one of he, them. Who knows? I but she keeps asking him to spit, and I I felt at watching it as a child that we were supposed to be like. Ooh, and even but then, I just didn't. <laughs> I know I was like, I don't think anyone felt that way when they watched it. I know I didn't. I was like, this is too much. Can we move on? Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. I mean, I was very curious about like if Hilary Duff or Christy Carlson Romano, Ren Stevens, my queen, had spoken to this at all, and. Chrissy Carlson Romano spoke about it in 2017, but it was very, like, I don't know, very dodgy. I wish she had just been like, no, it's a queer movie, obviously, because she is giving, like, the most flirtatious <laughs> performance I have ever seen. <laughs> she, like, she makes, like, maggot kink. Like, it's you're just like, whoa. But Chrissy Carlson Romano kind of, like, talks around it she's like i think that disney films usually are very much about a sport or a family and this one is about kids living on their own at boarding school and then the reporter kind of repeated the question and was like okay but is it a queer movie like you just described a movie uh and christy cross and romano said what i make of that is that this is art even if it's a disney channel film it's still art And the reason why my films and TV shows have done well over time is because they have substantial value that obviously rings true with fans and fans of all ages. I feel blessed to have played Jennifer Stone because I do think if she could have an influence over people going through all sorts of different things, then that's very flattering to me. So she doesn't answer the question. Oh, she really, she really talked around. She talked all the way around. And then she was like, bye. (laughs) So I swear there must be something like when you sign a contract with disney there's some clause or something where it's like do not talk about gay stuff it has to there's be. no gay stuff in our movie it's like, like it's the scientology it's like for twenty thousand years you cannot <laughs> it's like that has to be a sea org contract it's literally the only reason and i remember she she has a youtube channel christy carlson romano mm-hmm 
And she like filmed herself rewatching Cadet Kelly, like her scenes <laughs> in Cadet Kelly. No. And she was like, yeah, she was like, because some of the songs were different, I mm-hmm. guess, in the Disney Plus version. And like, mm-hmm. she was like, we had rainbow flags, I remember. They're not like that in the Disney Plus version of it. But she's like, I feel like they were rainbow. And then it was just like weird because then she like said it and then she like paused herself. And then swiftly moved on to something else. And I was like, oh. The Sea Org contract. Do you think they did? Well, there is a lot of rainbow imagery in this movie between the blanket that Kelly is like, this is my blanket and I'm going to have it on my bed. And then the hair that she, like the painting of the hair that she puts on Jennifer is like in a rainbow. Yeah. Right. So I, I, when I saw this movie when I was a kid, I knew that I really liked it and I liked to watch it over and over and I couldn't articulate really why, what it was that I liked about it so much, but I knew I really liked it. But watching it now, it is like, it feels like as close to a queer decom as, especially for this time, as you were ever going to get with, with like the rainbow imagery of like, it's Hilary Duff trying to make, you know, be herself in this really oppressive environment. And her, like, treasured object is a rainbow blanket. And then you have Christy Carlson Romano, who is, you know, trying to basically, like, assimilate and thrive within this oppressive environment. And she destroys the blanket, but she secretly thinks it's cool. And, like, <laughs> it's just, uh, the symbolism. The symbolism. Yeah, it's all there. I found this list on something called autostraddle.com where a contributor it's my favorite website um, a contributor by the name of May ranks all 100 Disney Channel original movies by lesbianism (laughs) it's the funniest thing I've ever seen and it's, it's just a list of literally over 100 DCOMs Right, and Cadet Kelly comes in third. Oh my god! Of like the third most lesbian. Wait, what's one? Number one is Princess Protection Program. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, that's that. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is always kind of those like weirdly like military e premises that like you know let this. Mm-hmm. I forgot about Princess Protection Program. All right. <laughs> And then number two, which is one that we got a bazillion requests for as we were gathering requests for DCOMs, um, was Motocross. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is a good list. (laughs) It's a great list. (laughs) Because Motocross, even down to, like, the haircut, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, they were really on one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really am, like, I mean, the chemistry that these to have in this movie is incredible it's like you're talking about kelly 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 and and jennifer um, Jennifer, right because to me there are so many combinations of characters that you can like ship and like that there's like romantic tension between them because i was getting very strong carla has a the biggest crush i've ever seen on kelly can we just can we talk about it please Yes. (laughs) yes because this is the hill I'm ready to die on. Like, <laughs> tired is, you know, bless the hearts, tired is Kelly and Jennifer. Wired is 
Carla and Kelly. It's just <laughs> all the way through, you just, she's like looking at it all longingly. She was like, oh, I'll help you figure it out. Sure, I'll take over your little spit cleaning job so you can join the little gun, whatever. Uh, <laughs> drill team? Or yeah, whatever. the drill team. Yeah. I'm like the gun, whatever, the drill team. Like, yeah, I'll stay over at your house and like you, we can pick out dresses for the dance. And I love you. I mean, what? Like, that's, <laughs> that's that's her whole vibe the entire movie. And she's just like, I love you. I mean, if you're down, if you're cool, if not, it's fine. But I love Carla first, be- first and foremost, because I'm a huge Degrassi fan. it's hazel like one of the iconic og degrassi characters i don't think i'd ever seen her in anything else i forgot that this character was played by her and Mm. oh she's great i wish that we knew more about her i feel like everything we learn about her is extremely vague to the point where i was like i is this gonna come back where she kind of makes it sound like she didn't have a great home life but she words it like well if i could choose it 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 wouldn't have been the one i would have chosen and then that that's kind of the last we hear of it i do i wish that we got to know her better outside of like saying what a big crush she has on kelly which is amazing (laughs) but i wish i knew i wish that kelly knew more about her right i Mm -hmm. wish that they made some more illusions because it's like okay so your home life wasn't great but don't they have to pay for military school right so like who's paying for right. it you know like what is what is going on there they didn't really give her more but i wish that they did for sure because i love the actress who plays her andrea lewis yes mm-hmm. she's amazing she's like a, a 2000s 2000 i mean she's just an icon she's the best and she gives such a like sweet performance here too of like mm-hmm. when i just every time she walks away from the crowd because she's shy and like <laughs> So you're like Carla no come come hang out with the group Carla like I just love her um yeah I, I do wish we just had gotten to learn more about her because at least with Jennifer they kind of just say like oh she's from a military family so there's pressure right. on her to like and it's just a sentence of context but it is helpful in like knowing where she's coming from but for mm-hmm. some but like with Carla it just seems like it comes up a few times, but it's just completely beaten around the bush and talked right. around, and then you never find yeah. out. Yeah, it feels like deliberately glossed over. Yeah. Um, but then it's just, it, it's such a bummer, too, because like Kelly tells Carla a bunch of stuff about herself, but it's like, but Carla never gets the chance to. Yeah, Kelly, give Carla a chance to talk about herself. Um. I found it so one of my favorite even though it breaks my heart but that scene when Carla sees Kelly call Amanda her best friend and then she's oh my God. like mm-hmm. <sighs> it's like oh I did that I did that <laughs> oh god it was so sweet and she was so brokenhearted and then it was like wild mm-hmm. because Kelly still didn't get it until her stepdad was like you can have more than one best friend and she was like oh cute <laughs> She's like, oh, shoot, you're right. I didn't. You're right. <laughs> I love when he was like, two best friends, two dads. You're like, whoa. Which is another, like, yeah. Yeah, even yeah. The, <laughs> this, quote, straight marriage between Kelly's mom and Joe. It's like, no, I, I'm like shipping Joe and Kelly's dad. Right. They had a look between each other <laughs> that was much more powerful than any look 
Why else would Joe insist on like, okay, we have to go find, we, they don't even know what's, why he's not there right. at the recital or whatever they're doing. Right. <laughs> but, like, he's like, we have to go recital. find him. <laughs> their gun recital. <laughs> he's like, we have to go find him. He might be hurt in the woods. And it's like, Joe, like you've got, like you have to stay behind at your recital. Like this is such a big deal. But there's this whole weird subplot that like, starts to overwhelm the main plot but it's like the subplot between kelly and her stepdad yeah and then also like kelly and her dad like it's all these weird dad related subplots that like start to take up too much space yeah. in the main plot they do it was a very long scene um. <laughs> but um the point is that um i'm pretty sure there was also romantic tension between um kelly's dad the, and the two dads two dads, oh, yeah. the two dads. she even says like i have two dads <laughs> they're definitely a trouble at best because the random baby on the way i was like maybe the baby on the way is the compromise for them introducing Kelly's mm. dad into their relationship. <laughs> Galaxy brain. There's... Well, the... <laughs> I love the plot, baby. There's another weird thing with that, and this will bring it back to the relationship with Carla, but there's a very bizarre interaction that Kelly has with her mom when Kelly's mom is like, by the way, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't worry, Kelly. I'll still love you 100%. That was so... And- <laughs> I was like, Kelly did not... That's not your first thought when you find out... Or that... I was... That I, That's not what you say to your child oh, when I know you're having you a second child. I think I won't love you, and I've been thinking about that too, but I've decided... But I probably still will. And I've loved you longer. I was like... <laughs> but then she says something in between that. She's like, I'll probably still love you 100%. And then she says, and I'm sure I'm going to love this baby. Like, that's too much uncertainty. I have to a have. whole, like, headcanon theory about Kelly's mom. I think that Kelly's mom is going to wake up one morning and be like, what am I doing? Because she, <laughs> like, she she is, I don't know. I feel like Kelly Kelly's mom is kind of the victim of the plot in a lot of ways because it's like she's like a working mom and she's like an editor in New York and then mm-hmm. she meets Gary Cole, boom, drops everything. She's like, okay, I'm retired. I cook full time, which there's a lot. To, we'll we'll talk about that as well of of like mm-hmm. the military life and the pressures put on military wives. Like that's a very real thing. But the way mm-hmm. that the plot frames it is kind of goofy, and it just seems like her life does a one eighty mm-hmm. entirely. Mm-hmm. And then and then it sealed it for me when she was like, "I think I'll love this baby." I'm like, I don't know that you're totally sold on the decisions you're <laughs> making, mom. Like, <laughs> I feel for her. I do too, because I was like, like when I watched it recently, I was like, well, wait. So she just drops everything in New York, forces her kid to go into military school, feels like this is the right decision. So like you went from, and I understand that people want to be homemakers, like cool. Yeah. But it just seems so odd to me that you, you're dating this man and then you marry him and you're like, well, I don't want to work anymore. All that work, I don't want to do. And then, bam, I'm going to ship my kid off to military school when she's, like, in the middle of a school year. Yeah. And take and her from everything school. she knows. Right, art school. And take her from everything she knows to be, like, 
this is going to be great for you, Kelly. No, it's not. It's not. Mm-mm. It's going to be so bad. And I even <sighs> tweeted, I was like, does she go to, does she have to go into the army after military school? And people were like, no, chill. It's okay. She doesn't. I'm like, thank God, because oh. she probably doesn't want to. <laughs> No, 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 she believes in gun control. She's, <laughs> I love that she explains, but she, and then, and then also, that's also kind of on like her biological dad too, for not like speaking up. He's like, oh yeah, like I'm just kind of a photographer. So I guess you're going to military school. I'm like, someone should be maybe questioning the military school besides Kelly. Like even Kelly's best friend, Amanda doesn't question it. She's like, I'm going to miss you. This sucks. Yeah. So it's like, why is no one standing up for Kelly? <laughs> yeah, that's a whole thing. But bringing it back to the Carla thing. So her, her mom is like, you know, I think I'll probably still love you 100%. I'll probably also love this baby, probably. <laughs> but I will love you longer, Kelly. And that's what Kelly says to Carla, where it's like, Yes, you're also my best friend. It's just that I haven't liked you as as long as my other best friend. And it's like this weird callback. Uh. It's so weird. But as far as the Kelly Carla friendship slash potential romantic relationship, that was like the big one that I was shipping Thank in you. the movie. Um, yeah, that makes me so happy because I feel like a bazillion like articles. You know, it's not necessarily like prestige journalism that's being a lot of newsletters i found a lot of substack of... newsletters that are just like <laughs> what a blog my favorite post. my favorite title was one uh, a newsletter that came out last year and the 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 headline is just cadet kelly was lesbians and that's <laughs> and the story continues it's really fun Um, (laughs) But yeah, they they mostly focus on Jennifer and Kelly when there really is, I mean, there's a whole menu of ships to be had. Yeah. Mm Because we also, we haven't um, brought up Gloria yet. Gloria. Right. Love. She is so, oh my God, she's gorgeous. She is. We love her. (laughs) And we get, I mean, we at least, we get more backstory for her as well, which I thought was like that scene with her and Kelly is so nice and then they like stay friends and build their friendship and i like i i i don't remember picking up on that ship as much when i was a kid but this time i was like Mm -hmm. i i think gloria was my top ship this view Ooh, nice gloria's just gorgeous i felt like she had more of a thing with jennifer yeah than helping oh sure there was a vibe there yeah, they yeah. would. They like. I mean, because it was. They were like. I don't. I. I don't know how military school relationships work, but they were together all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it was just they, a friendship. I don't know. They well. <laughs> there's so much weird stuff with Brad, but there's that scene where like. Brad's in the distance and Jennifer thinks that she likes Brad because mm-hmm. like either she's suppressing her queer feelings or she doesn't know that she's gay yet or something but she's just like how does my hair look and then Gloria's like it looks perfect like it always does yeah you're just like (laughs) okay Gloria (laughs) I yeah I really like Gloria I'm glad that she I I kind of like forgot what her exact thread through the story was and I was worried that we weren't gonna get her back after she and Kelly have like I feel what she and Kelly have is just like a really strong like powerful queer friendship uh mm-hmm. and we love those i love it and then <laughs> and then when she comes back and she like teaches her how to guns i don't know there's like that's the <laughs> that's the, the perfect way to describe it 
<laughs> Kelly's like, teach me how to guns. And Gloria's like, okay, I'll do it. And she teaches her how to guns and she gets really good at guns. And I don't, I, I mean, the military industrial part of their friendship isn't my favorite, but it is no. very sweet. Like that friendship is very sweet. I wish you got like a, another like last moment with Gloria and mm-hmm. Jennifer because mm-hmm. yeah. that's a thing. Kelly also realizes the importance of paying someone for their time and effort. <laughs> She's like, I need you to train me to, to guns, but I'm not going to, I insist on paying you. So here, here look at what I have to offer. Scarves, bracelets. <laughs> right? She was like, welcome to my Etsy shop. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Choose what she's like. <laughs> and then isn't there some like occasional, like the occasional use of Hillary Duff voiceover where it's like accessories are always the way to a girl's heart. I'm like, all right, Hillary Duff. <laughs> Even when she was like, I have to figure out how to fix this family and raise this baby. And it's going to be hard. And I'm like, aren't you 15? Like, she's right. so young. Like, go outside and play. What do you mean? Kelly in general, I just just rewatching it this time. Like Kelly is such a like good and open minded and like thoughtful person. I love her. She's when her when she finds out her mom is pregnant, she's like, I guess I have to be in the military because I don't want my mom to get upset while she's pregnant. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> like she's just so <laughs> the two women in that family between Kelly and her mom, they make way too many compromises. Yes. And it's like, yes. no, stop it. Stop compromising for I, Joe. Especially because you get the feeling that Kelly's mom is waiting for her to say, "Let's get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> And then she's like, "Oh, thank God!" And then they could they would just flee, but uh, they're like not because because Kelly wants to appease her mom. Her mom wants to appease Kelly and her new husband, and then they're just trapped in the military. Right, mm-hmm. and not to make it a thing, but Joe feels like the type of guy who you know gets off of work on the weekend, drinks a little too much, says something like smart. And, like, is kind of nasty when he drinks. Like, I don't know. I just got a vibe where I was like, are you sure you want him? Like, do you want to stay here? You can leave. Like, you guys could. You could have the baby. And then you could go. Like, you don't have to stay here at the military school. Right. While he's, like, the principal of the military school. Like, you really, you really gave up your life. Yeah. So that he could go be a principal. And <laughs> at a school which is a choice but i just i've I've always thought that like in some way she was like can we go like we'll take carla too like let's right let's leave (laughs) we'll take carla and the baby we're fleeing the state like we're getting out of here it makes no sense why kelly's mom would marry this guy like they have such I don't I don't understand that relationship I do. at all. And I and I wish that I feel like even though I, I appreciate and we'll talk about this as well, but like I, I do appreciate like the amicable divorce uh plot point, mm-hmm. which I feel like you never get in movies, even though it is like not uncommon at all mm-hmm. and just like normalizes it. But but yeah, like the really you only know that they met at a wedding. Mm-hmm. that's kind of the only I don't know I just feel like 
something is really sinister is going on there. <laughs> it just seems strange for like a woman, you know, like well into her career and seeming to thrive at it. Like I wish we had seen a discussion between Gary Cole and Kelly's mom just to get some context for like, mm-hmm. you know, even just a line from Kelly's mom, like this is actually great. Like I, feel like I I've finished what I wanted to do in this profession. I'm ready to move on. I'm sick of the city, whatever it is, mm-hmm. something, not just like, I feel like uh. at this point, the reason she's with Joe is because he's more stable. Right. But like, he's so boring. And like his whole thing was like, Oh, well, you know, my dad was the principal of the school and his dad was also the principal and it's like okay but like do you do anything for fun like what do you like like, what do you do for fun do you watch tv he used to guns for fun (laughs) it was so weird too how they were like oh the gun stuff it's like super important super serious like don't make a mockery of it but it's also like so you guys go to competitions and you play with guns and then you leave how serious is that really like it is a gun recital like you hate to say it and you hate to hear it but it's fully a gun recital they're dancing that also i mean that that dance oh the dancing oh god it's just cemented in Wh- my which memory one? forever the, well the one where they're like kind of improvising the one and they're having a dance-off yeah like in, in the, the middle in the quad of the or whatever quad or, yeah whatever you would call that but they're like oh i that was for me that was my rewind moment that and all the scenes where uh christy carlton romano gets really close to hillary duff's face i know that happens I know. so often between a bunch of different characters and mm-hmm. it's like just kiss already right Seriously. you as well you're already here just uh, it is so funny to, i mean it is not funny but like curious that christy carlson romano like gave that performance and then was like all coy about it you know 15 years later like i don't know i was like you know christy carlson romano (laughs) you were so close to hillary duff's face um (laughs) but yeah this movie is just there there really is just a a full menu of queer ships in this movie Mm -hmm. it makes me very Mm -hmm. happy i wish we had just gotten more carla yeah agreed also, I think that the the dances, they make me laugh because the one on the quad is better mm-hmm. than the one in the actual yes. competition. It's not weird. Like, it's just like the one on the quad is better. And I'm like, how does that work? Like, okay. Right. They were just like improv. They're like, yes, and zip, zap, zap. Or it's going to like improv this, whatever. And then the one that's like rehearsed, which like. There's some weird editing choices made in <laughs> that scene. And I was like, who the fuck edited this movie? And I looked it up and it's a woman. And I felt really bad for thinking it was horrible editing. Because I was like, oh, women never get to be editors in movies. Women but, can um, be mediocre too. That's true. <laughs> that's, uh, that's that's true. always been our so... goal on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It, the dance on the quad was much more enjoyable to watch. And just mm-hmm. better choreographed than... The weird one at the gun recital right. so, and it's know. really like it also isn't saying much because they <laughs> they both weren't great but given the choice the one, <laughs> in the, <laughs> the one in the quad was definitely better 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you mentioned this earlier, Kia, but the fact that Carla ends up kind of being a part of the drill team, not like actually on the on the team, but she just, like basically Kelly's just like, I don't like to shine shoes. Will you like help me or will you like <laughs> can you just be here with me? And Carlos is like, Yes, I have an enormous crush on you, so I will be I will go wherever you I are. Know. Right. Yeah. Uh, literally that's the only explanation because I would not be like, Oh yeah, I'll shine shoes even though I don't have to. Right. Cause like Kelly's doing it as a punishment. Right. And then she's just like, hey, can you do my punishment with me? And Carla's like, yes. And it's like. <laughs> well, I, I think it's, I don't know. Like, it, and then, and then Carla tries to reverse engineer it. And she's like, this is actually because the military means that I should shine shoes with you because I'm in love with you. But it's actually because <laughs> of the military. Did you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Kelly's like, okay. <laughs> like, Kelly is so <laughs> oblivious to Carla's crush on her. It, it is. Uh, she needs to open her eyes and see the light. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Kia, do you have any other thoughts about? Yes, I do. <laughs> I said that too quickly. <laughs> yes, please. I didn't like at the end. Okay, so when Jennifer's like, "Oh, my family's moving," and like, I hope that you become a whatever and like get a little maggot just like you or whatever. And I was like, "But how mm-hmm. about we don't glorify?" this little rank thing that you have going on and tell Kelly to leave military school. <laughs> like, I just was like, you're giving her the wrong message. Like, she's not supposed to be all hard and mean or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just, I thought about that when I was rewatching it. I was mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want her to get another maggot. I want her to go home. I want the- I also was like, that choice, I, I vaguely remembered that, but it felt a little bit cruel where so many of these decoms like it was assumed that there was going to be a sequel but this this kind of the end of this movie kind of like slams the promise of a sequel it just like slams the door in your face of like <laughs> no they don't go to school and they're never gonna kiss stop dreaming jamie like they're like they're <laughs> never gonna kiss and um that was hurtful why did they do that <laughs> yeah they had they gave you no opening they were like a sequel no in high school musical they're like well maybe we'll kiss next year you know like (laughs) (laughs) but you're right like with the dynamic between i mean kind of separating it separating the queer read from it just like the dynamic between kelly and jennifer is this very like jennifer's higher ranking and she's this like militant like you maggot you suck i hate you and i'm gonna rip your blanket apart and just like all this stuff but Classic then military. in the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> ripping your blanket <laughs> the same thing happens in full metal jacket too i'm pretty sure um <laughs> but she but then they become friends uh, as the movie wants you to think that it's just a platonic friendship mm-hmm. but like this is something we see in a lot of like straight romantic relationships in movies as well where it starts out as this either antagonistic or like a man is stalking a woman Mm -hmm. or a man is abusive to a woman and then suddenly or gradually they are in love with each other and it feels like it's just like a weird trope and this Mm -hmm. exists with like in other movies of um like female friendships where or something that starts out as a very antagonistic female relationship um that kind of grows over time and I don't, again, I'm always like f- 
trying to figure out like what is the use of this or what's the purpose or what are you trying to say with all of this yeah like that enemies to lovers trope but I think a lot of times it can be harmful Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things because they never when they get to the point of being friends right they never really discuss the previous abuse Right. right. They don't believe in rectifying that situation. It's just like, oh, we're friends now, so we're not going to talk about, you know, how you made me feel like crap or how you pushed me in the dirt, ripped my blanket, did X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. just to get back at me. And I think that that's not as cute as people seem to believe when they're like right. praising them. Like, I feel like there should be a an aspect to these stories where it's like, I'm also going to apologize for my previous behavior. Mm-hmm. And that would be much more healthy than just what they do now. She's just like, I'm moving to Europe. Bye. Yeah. Hopefully you get someone that you get to abuse later too. Right. See, See ya. ya. <laughs> and it also it ties into the um, like women in competition trope as well, where, mm-hmm. again, the story has you believe that they're kind of competing for the affection of this Brad guy. <laughs> Because there's that scene where they're like, they both spot him across the quad and then they like speed walk over to him to like try to like make a good impression on him. So, and then just like on top of that, again, just like the antagonistic female relationship. And it's for no other reason than like Jennifer is just like mean. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't, I can't really make sense of it, but it happens a lot in. Both, like, children's media and, like, Mm rom-coms, where it's just, like, the two people, the two leads of this movie, they hate each other. Why? Because reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because plot devices. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it is, it's, it's funny, because even as a person who enjoys a lot of enemies to lovers fanfic Mm, mm -hmm. i only ever enjoy the ones where they like where there's an apology like that's my Mm -hmm. real house i'm i don't understand when it's like i slashed your tires i keyed your car i Mm. i I punched your mom in the face but we're not going to talk about any of that we're just gonna we're too busy kissing now right and it's like what no i mean it's like (laughs) it's pretty clear that Jennifer owes Kelly a pretty huge apology before she leaves. And I feel like it is just kind of glazed over, like by the fact that she gave Kelly a compliment one time that it's like, (laughs) and all is forgiven, which obviously is not true or realistic. And, And it kind of like glazes over a lot of what she was doing was not like, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I've never been to a military school, full disclosure. But it's wow. like, in theory, you cannot just target a single person and harass them and destroy their stuff relentlessly um, and then be like, it's because I had a crush. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's because I thought she was cute. Like, no. Right. <laughs> I think her parents also owe her. Kelly's parents also owe her an apology. I'm like dead set on that because you just uprooted her and and, and like you didn't ask for her opinion and I think it's a larger cultural issue where we don't talk to children about what they want and need because we Mm -hmm. think that because we're parents we have the ultimate say but you know that's maybe a little too too deep for for the conversation but I thought about it 
I'm like, you really just changed her life. Forced her to attend military school because I guess online classes weren't an option. And then you were like, <laughs> you were like, you're going to enjoy it. Like, I just, I don't know. I think that they need to apologize to her. And then also promise the baby that comes that the baby doesn't have to go to military school. Right? Yes, please. <laughs> the baby that may or may not be loved by its mother. Um, yeah, it's such a drastic change that Kelly has. To, it's like one thing if like a family has to move or like there's a remarriage and like things get slightly uprooted. But to take her from an arts school in new york city to a rigid military industrial (laughs) complex education that has to be pretty traumatic but the movie doesn't do that much to explore that really yeah um i guess the last thing i wanted to talk about in relation to the queer subtext slash text is brad so what's his name sean ashmore um who i guess has a twin didn't know until did some research for the movie um yeah he was a twin who was in uh, i think aaron ashmore who was in veronica mars it's a whole thing anyway brad is like the hottest boy in school all the move again the movie wants you to think that all the girls love him and it's like um okay but there's a really confusing aspect to the movie where carla says something to kelly toward the beginning that makes you think that jennifer and brad are dating Mm -hmm. but then jennifer has to like try to get him interested in her again like i don't think like are they dating or does she just have a crush on him i think that they were that i my read was that they were not like officially at least not in like mm -hmm. an an official way otherwise brad is a terrible boyfriend well that's the thing because like I'm still a little unclear, but I think the movie's idea is that they are dating because they like go to the dance together. Carla says, oh, that's Jennifer's man. So he's off limits to all the other girls, like all this stuff that makes you think that they're like together. But he treats Jennifer so horribly, like ignores her. Like the majority of the movie, he's like, I don't really care like what you have to say. Like he laughs at her when she gets mud, like when Kelly gets mud all over her dress. If I if I saw my boyfriend spitting on another girl's shoe, I would be like, (laughs) excuse you. There's an unspoken agreement that you do not spit on another girl's shoe. Like even the even the hat thing when she like had to show her hair, he was like, "Well, you oh, have yeah. to show it. It's regulation." He humiliates her publicly yeah. in that little um, cadet hearing I'm thing. I'm upset by this. They're like, "Oh, Brad! All the girls like Brad, but does Brad even like girls?" Is the question. Brad might not even like girls. <laughs> he was like, "I don't. I want to go home." He was like, "I didn't ask for this." I mean, talk about characters we know nothing about. Like, Brad, you're Mm -hmm. just like, what could possibly be going on with Brad? We don't know. We'll never know. Like, his background is unclear to us. He seems pretty mediocre at what he does. (laughs) Like, if he really is canonically supposed to be Jennifer's boyfriend who likes her, he's doing, he's a mean, terrible, neglectful boyfriend. Truly. I guess at least I appreciated that that storyline just kind of tapers off and doesn't come into anything. And it's not as though like, 
I had a feeling because I hadn't seen this before and I didn't know how the story was going to go. What I thought was going to happen was that they'd really wedge in a love story between Kelly and Brad where, you know, Brad is dating Jennifer at first, but then he starts to see how mean she is. And then he starts to like Kelly because she's nice and quirky and fun. And so the fact that the movie doesn't go in that direction and what was being set up there sort of doesn't pay off at all. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that because this feels like a movie where a hetero romantic subplot was not necessary. Mm-hmm. I think that was too because of the age difference at the time of filming. I think he's, oh. he was much older than Hilary Duff, so they probably didn't. True. Oh, like in real life? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because Hilary Duff was like 14 when this movie was shot, mm-hmm. which you forget because she's such a talented actor actress but she was quite young and then i think um chrissy carlson romano is 17 in this movie everyone is children yeah but uh, i think isn't sean ashmore he was like in his early 20s is not children yeah and gloria wasn't either okay she's like 23 or something she's she's everything to me so (laughs) so it's like how old is she when this movie came out in So my wife just checking it on her um but it's i think that that's part of it too where it's just like they were like bruh we can't have this child and this grown man or this like kiss on on the disney channel but i wasn't i wasn't upset by that at all because it felt like it was forced like the most that i remember brad saying in the movie even seconds after watching it is you make me smile cadet kelly like i don't remember anything else yeah that he says so I'm like, well, that was weak anyway. Like, it was like maybe the person who wrote it felt like there needed to be a love interest, but also realized while they were writing it that the more interesting relationship was between the relationship of, like, all of the the girls mm-hmm. and, and not the men. Like, the men seemed to be props that they were, which I think is right. revolutionary for that time in yeah. terms of being, like... <laughs> Yeah, no, these guys are just props. Like, they're here for this and this and this, but we're not really here for that. (laughs) So it was like, that was nice. We appreciate that. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, Kia, any other thoughts? I mean, I think I covered... I think I covered off. <laughs> <laughs> this was just like the most life-affirming discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah, for, for joining you. us. This was tons of fun. Where can people follow you? Ooh. Where can people check out your stuff, etc.? Yeah. Um, I for first of all, thank you for having me. That was Really genuinely so much fun. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kia, K-E-A-H underscore Maria, M-A-R-I-A. I have a website, kiabrown.com, and a Facebook page at the Kia Brown. So I'm in all those spaces. And then um, you can buy my book, The Pretty One, available now for purchase. And then in fall of 2022, I have a picture book coming out called Sam's Super Seats for the children via Cochlea Books. So all those good things Amazing! I can keep you updated with. Please, yes. yes, And come back on the show uh, another time. Bring your favorite movie and we'll we'll hang out. Yes. Oh, no. I'm definitely taking you up on that. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to have you anytime. Thank you both. 
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Yay, thanks again so much, Kia, for for joining us. Um, We have a a few more things we want to discuss Mm -hmm. um i think another major thing to talk about is the like very pro-military propaganda message that this movie is yeah so i um (laughs) i can speak to this a little bit about some of the culture that is portrayed here uh because as I think I brought it up on the Matreon before, and as you know, Caitlin, uh, I almost uh, married into the military rather young. And this whole like setup of the, I don't know, like this is, a, I think it's a little unusual because it's directed mainly at teen girls. Um, and I think it is far more common and this is pointed and gendered in itself, but um, for this kind of propaganda to be angled at uh, young male identifying children is like, okay, you need, you know, how, what is the peak of masculinity? What is the peak of, you know, discipline? And, and so I, I feel like the vast majority of, uh, you know, like military 
movies about young people are feature and are targeted at boys. Mm -hmm. So this is, I think, the rare exception that we see young women doing it. I don't... Unfortunately, it's still the fucking military-industrial complex that Mm -hmm. there is really no downside. I think my main issue is there is no real downside to this like situation for kelly it sort of implies i think in a slightly disingenuous way that like there's room for individualism in the military and like Mm -hmm. you can meet people in the middle art students can become soldiers and it just feels a i don't know like I will say, watching this movie as a kid did not make me want to go to military school, for what it's worth. Good. It's still seen. Yeah. And I'm, I'd be curious to hear what our listeners who saw it as as young people think. But it didn't make me want to go to a military academy. But it did, I think, I think that the takeaway you're supposed to get is that Kelly, while she is a like very original and individual person which she isn't really punished for it does help her character every step of the way but like her life was enriched for having learned the discipline of a military school and that she had made assumptions about the oppressiveness of the environment that was inherently wrong Mm -hmm. which if you look at i mean and i don't i don't want this episode to take too dark a turn so I will just say, you know, you can do your research on your own, but but the experience of any marginalized person in the military, it is just it's just a full on fallacy that military Mm -hmm. discipline and experience is a universal good. That's not to say that it hasn't served many well and we're not trying to discredit going to a military school or joining the military as a life choice like it's, you know, we're addicted to the troops we're in love with the troops uh no (laughs) no but all that to say if that's your choice your body your choice it's your choice i mean and it's like i i i don't know i dated someone who was in the military for a very long time and so it you know but the implication that it is a universal good for everyone i mean women are not treated particularly well in the military Mm -hmm. and that's a huge understatement and you can look to some recent news items for more information Mm -hmm. on that um the subject of race in the military is not often brought up and there's huge historical erasure of non-white soldiers uh and and not to mention um being queer in the military being trans Mm -hmm. in the military there's there's endless stories and accounts about how the oppressive environment that is presented to us in this movie as uh, something that will make you learn something about yourself and make you a better person for yourself and for the people around you, you know, no negatives are really examined other than the fact that it's uncomfortable at first. I feel like that's as far as this movie goes of like, Mm -hmm. whoa, this is weird. And like, I don't like that like I'm being yelled at but and not it's not like I'm not expecting this decom to like take on this serious like <laughs> deep-rooted misogyny of the American military but maybe it should <laughs> but it's 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 too pro I feel like it's it's hard to disagree that it's too way, pro way too pro so having seen this for the first time only days ago and had no idea what it was about at all Based on what was being set up in like Act 1 and the beginning of Act 2, I had really different ideas about where the story was going to go because here's here's what kind of gets set up. So 
we meet Kelly at the arts school. She loves creative expression. She's very artistic. She's a free thinker. Uh, and that's like the main thing about her character. Mm-hmm. Um, then she's told that she has to go to this military school because her mom is making her uproot their entire lives for a man, more or less. Kelly is very reluctant about this, understandably so. Mm-hmm. Then she gets to the military school. She sees what it's like and she's like, I need to turn this into a kinder, gentler place. She says different lines of dialogue like, you know, we've got brains. We're thinking people. She's challenging sort of the uniformity of the military ideology every step of the way. Or not every, well, at at least at the beginning. Um, She says, I'd really like to try and retain my individuality around here. She says, we may be in military school, but we still live in a democracy. Mm-hmm. She's talking about how she hates the uniformity, the rules, the khaki of it all. So for the first chunk of the movie, she's talking about how she wants to change this place. So I thought where the story was going is that she was going to bring her like creative energy and change everyone's mind about how the school should be run. And instead, she gets more and more indoctrinated into this military lifestyle and ideology and basically loses her sense of identity and becomes just another, like, military drone. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it feels very, like, early 2000. I mean, and this comes up in every DCOM discussion, basically. Very, like, early 2000s girl power feminism where it's like, oh, I can be in the military, but I'm going to wear a scarf. So mm-hmm. girl power. And you're like, no, <laughs> Kelly, no. There, I think it is interesting where it's like, the. I think it's very clever and creative the way that the ideals of the military are presented to Kelly. Because some of it sounds good to the point where I agree with it. Where it's, it's like, you know, the, um, and I think this is communicated through Carla. Mm-hmm where Carla basically says to Kelly, like, it's not just about you. It's also about, you know, serving the interests of the group. And like, we help each other and we're a community and like stuff Mm -hmm. that is like, okay, I agree with this, but, but it's leaving out, you know, it's, it's, uh, misrepresenting by omission. Mm -hmm. What, what, you know, what they're actually being prepared and groomed to do doesn't come up. Um, uh-huh. or the politics of which, you know, like this is, this movie was made during the first Bush administration. This movie came out six months after nine 11. Like yeah. the context for what is going on here is very intentionally. I feel not stated. I also was wondering, they, I was wondering if they were going to say the name of the president because they asked twice with like who, who, who is in charge of the military, <laughs> the but they just say the yeah. president of the United States. Like, because uh-huh. no one was wanting to say George W. Bush at this time, uh, or now, really. So, uh, yeah, it, it it is it is a slice of propaganda that I find kind. I mean, I, I guess I will say it is not the worst. It wasn't as bad as it could have been, but mm. I don't know. I mean, where I feel like the setting of this works is in. Like it, this setting really works for the queer reading we were discussing where, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. as, as the symbolism of like someone trying to assert their individuality and feel confident in themselves in a very oppressive, judgy environment. I feel like it works really well for that setup. But in terms of just kind of the flat read of 
pro-military and like the commandant is probably a really nice guy and you know like <laughs> all this stuff um yeah it's military propaganda uh yeah that's like that i was like blown away with how much that ends up being a part because again the the move i feel like the movie is setting you up for kelly being the one to come in and disrupt the rigidity and right. the just Should like influence change or at least i thought i mean at least because oh, yeah, i for, i honestly forgot how this movie ended i forgot about the dad off the cliff like just all this <laughs> not memorable plot point but like the fact that she truly affects zero change at this school mm -hmm. nothing and instead she more she gets brainwashed she's like this thing that i thought was really ridiculous of throwing rifles around is actually my new favorite hobby and she even like in the beginning of the movie she she's kelly is a comedic genius she makes a bunch of really funny jokes uh for example i wrote down a couple of my favorites she's like up on a ledge during you the obstacle course kelly. and she's like she's like i hate heights i'm even hoping to not get too tall hilarious, hilarious. Um, she says, my mom and Joe met at a wedding and they liked it so much they decided to have one of their own. Hilarious. She's making, she's cracking jokes constantly. And then over the course of the movie, as she's getting again, like more indoctrinated into this military ideology, she like, I feel like just like starts to lose her personality, her like vibrant, bubbly, like jokey, creative self. And she like, she adopts that like military speech that they're expected to speak in where she's like. Uh, permission right. to speak this cadet has an idea like all that she doesn't lose it entirely but like which is i would I it would have been so scary if we had like just lost hillary duff in the process of this <laughs> but yeah. yeah i mean it is kind of weird for a movie that seems to be at least attempting to challenge like oh the military doesn't you know like beat the personality out of you but like there is something there is a net loss in her mm -hmm. and i feel like that is framed as a good thing i mean it's like the, a good thing that I don't know. I mean, it's Cadet Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> it's you take Cadet Kelly out of cadet school. What's the oh movie? But but it is uh, military <laughs> propaganda, and and we recognize that. Yes. There's also a scene where she's in a classroom, and we don't get many of these scenes when she's like actually learning stuff that like a military school would teach you. Oh, but there is a particular like, scene. The rear is good. <laughs> Yes. Okay. The language used here is really funny. Yes. But th so the teacher is talking about the Korean War and he's describing this thing and it, it feels so hilariously defensive where he's like, um, we didn't retreat. That thing wasn't a retreat. It was an it's advance to the rear. Yeah. And it was actually super awesome that we did that because it was like really on purpose and not at all a failure. It was actually a brilliant strategy. And it's like, it's this funny. is what you're teaching children? Like, are you kidding me? Well, I mean, every American school teaches bullshit <laughs> well, revisionist right. history. But this was Absolutely. a funny, this was funny because it also wasn't very well written. Uh, <laughs> where you're just like, actually, that was, we were, it, it was, was awesome. Good. It was good. <laughs> and you're like, all right. And then Kelly's, v like, VO is like, I didn't realize that there were so many lessons from the military that were applicable to my own life. My favorite, my favorite Hillary Duff voiceover is when she first gets there. And then it's like, it's almost like a Lizzie McGuire cutaway, but there's no cutaway. It's just a <laughs> like static shot on a Hil on Hillary Duff. And it says, mm -hmm. hello, where can I get a cafe mocha? <laughs> You're just like, 
<laughs> okay, Hillary Duff, relax. Um, I was so confused by that because I thought she was saying it out loud. It was like diegetic dialogue, but yeah. it's but then it like you see her lips not moving, and I was like, oh, I guess this was voiceover. It was I was that was so. Jarring. <laughs> yeah. that was right and but it's weird i feel like that was almost a weird reference to lizzie mcguire because there's cutaways in that show but it cuts away to a cartoon that is her inner monologue but in this one it doesn't cut away oh that's what is that what happens and i've never seen lizzie mcguire so i have oh, i yeah. don't understand how it works so and one of the writers on this also had written on lizzie mcguire i believe mm-hmm yeah, so so they like will cut away to a cartoon Lizzie, and she'll say like a cute comment, and then it'll cut back to live action Lizzie. And this movie, I think, attempts to do that, but it's not an episode of Lizzie McGuire, so you're not cutting away to a cartoon. So it's just often a static shot of <laughs> Hillary Duff's not speaking face, but you hear her voice, yeah. and you're just like, "What is this?" Uh, <laughs> I have okay, so I wanted to shout out one of the writers. Of this movie, she has come up on this show before. Kind of an iconic uh, writer of of mo- many generations. Gail Parent co-wrote this mm-hmm. movie. Um, we've talked about her. I forget why we've talked about her before, but she she has written a lot of really really famous um, shows targeted at women specifically she wrote on the carol burnett show she wrote on the mary tyler moore show uh she -hmm. wrote on the golden girls uh she Mm -hmm. wrote on rhoda she wrote on and then she uh also wrote this movie she wrote confessions of a teenage drama queen uh Mm -hmm. she's written a lot of like really iconic female-centered stories so i was thrilled to see i didn't know that she had had a hand in cadet kelly but you have to assume that she you know a lot of the very strong bonds between women which we've discussed at this point um (laughs) can be attributed to her and so i wanted to shout her out the other writer Mm -hmm. of this movie his name is michael walsh and he seems to have been a journalist and then Mm. wrote this movie i don't know (laughs) Uh, <laughs> shrug shrug and then sorry Larry Shaw is the director and so he had directed episodes of Lizzie McGuire I see so okay that's kind of I mean I guess that's all you really need for background although you said earlier there was a female editor there was it seems like I'm gonna just give the majority of the credit for the writing of this movie to Gail Parent and then say Michael mm-hmm. Walsh was brought in to write the dads I don't know um <laughs> But I was happy to see that this movie was written by women. I think that that is something that you see in DCOMs more frequently, too, is that um, uh-huh. you see wi- women writing stories for women and girls. Um, again, because DCOM is more of an experimental environment, and also uh, you don't uh, need to pay the employees as much. So I'm sure that mm. Disney is always thrilled to pay... <sighs> Uh, non-male identifying people way less so mm-hmm. there's that but yeah. yeah um well speaking of the dads can we talk about the parents and their storylines in general because there's some messy, really messy wacky stuff going on here 
We already talked about... We talked about the two dads in love. We talked about the two dads, and then we talked about the pregnancy. So the mom... I mean, and I want to be careful in the way... We've talked about it a little bit already, but it's like... Like we were saying earlier, we don't want to, like disrespect the choice to be a homemaker and to want to be a, a stay-at-home parent spouse whatever it is like definitely it just the way it's framed in this movie is very abrupt and kind of confusing and i i don't know like as someone who is very hesitant and resistant to be a military spouse this was what i was afraid of where mm. And, and, and again, like if, if you were a military spouse yourself, like we would love to hear from you and hear like, is Cadet Kelly's mom at all reflective of your experience or was it just <laughs> bad writing? But, but there is certainly an expectation or at least a trope that you have to drop everything in your life and commit yourself to your spouse's career, which is mm-hmm. very much what happens in this movie. We don't really have, and I think my issue with it is we don't have any idea really how she feels about it or like what Mm -hmm. really was she doing before and why did she choose to leave this life outside of just relationship like you have to imagine if she's being presented to us as this like cool single mom prior to this like Mm -hmm. what is she leaving behind what was her life before this and like you just don't know and so and and then you see her struggling to adjust to her new life demonstrated through the fact that she doesn't know how to put on an apron i don't know (laughs) like and and so it seems like she is struggling but Mm -hmm. it's just kind of presented as like funny and so i just i don't know It, it just ended up kind of making me feel like confused and sad for her in a way that it was just like you know just as much as Kelly, her life has been completely uprooted. It seems like she doesn't even leave that house that they're living in. So she doesn't mm-hmm. really have a support system around her. Like it would have been nice to see, like maybe she becomes, because like a very common thing is like a military wives or military spouses will hang out together. And like, there's a mm-hmm. support network there and it would have been cool to like, even see that referenced in passing that she had found a community that she wasn't just like, left alone with the stove all day (laughs) trying to learn how to make turkey and that's her journey in the movie is she gets pregnant and she learns how to cook turkey like i just don't love that and i wish that since this movie does seem to have a mission to reflect the american military experience which it doesn't obviously i mean i just (laughs) i just feel like she was really left to quote bradley cooper by, by the wayside, wayside. Wow. Uh, in this plot and she yeah, didn't need I think, to be no especially because like the relationship that kelly has with both of her father figures end up being way more important to the story than the relationship with her mother and i don't understand right. why that is i don't know why that choice was made because with similar to kelly her mother is also having to adjust to this like military lifestyle. So why couldn't they like, why couldn't we see them bond over that further or like discuss this new lifestyle that they're having to adjust to. And, and instead we get this like weird 
like dad fell off a cliff and I have to teach my stepdad how to be a father. And it's like, why is that your responsibility? Why, like, why did she marry this? Like, why did Kelly's mom marry a guy who like has no emotional intelligence whatsoever? Like, (laughs) well, and I gotta be honest, I don't really give a shit about, I mean, I know he's important to the plot theoretically because he has to eventually be flung off a cliff but i don't care about the original like i don't the original that i don't care about <laughs> kelly's biological dad and i also don't think he's as good a parent as the movie makes it a mission to me i mean and this is like inherent to not just decom but children's media in general of like mom does the mean thing dad does the fun thing because mm-hmm. what like like we discussed a million times um, it's a societal expectation of female parents to do the majority of the parenting and therefore they're kind of demonized because that means they're doing most of the discipline. Right. Anyways, this movie is kind of no exception where Kelly's dad is like fun and goofy and they're both klutzy and they both trip a lot and you're like, yay. And, uh, <laughs> but already it's like he does not put up a fight for Kelly to not have to go to military school. He prioritizes his career above his daughter. He's busy going uh, off to... Um, Chad and Sudan and Myanmar and Thailand, which he says in an accent as he's like describing the countries he's going to, he's like speaking in some nondescript accent and what it's just like that whatever what you're doing, doing, sir, doing, you're being racist. Like what the racist. Yes. He is <laughs> he's being racist. Also, it's very clear that the places he's going are just uh sound stages in Burbank. Uh-huh. In any case, like yeah, it's and so he like prioritizes his career above her. He does a racist accent in the first scene he appears in. Mm-hmm. He sh- just kind of shows up uh, when he feels like it. And then Kelly is so thrilled. And then it's presented as if like, oh, this is how like Gary Cole is going to learn how to be a father. And you're like, this is actually really not an example that you <laughs> would necessarily want. Like he has a better personality than Gary Cole. But mm-hmm. I feel like that is something that happens with like manipulative neglectful parents all the time where I was actually kind of feeling for Gary Cole in that scene because he is emotionally stunted deeply but at least he is present and he Mm. is you know he can be counted upon in Kelly's life whereas her dad is just like he's just not around he's just off wherever so I'm anti Kelly's fun dad (laughs) I am also like you said like I am anti the dad's taking up all the parental real estate um i mean fortunately most of the movie is truly like kelly jennifer carla all having crushes on each other all like falling in love but (laughs) but yeah like when we zoom out it usually is the dad i i guess i sort of appreciate gary cole's journey in this Mm. of like being able to appreciate his stepdaughter's individualism but it just takes up too much space Base. I don't know. Like, it's just ultimately, I'm kind of like, meh. Mm-hmm. What is your relationship? I would have loved to see his relationship with his with, with his wife, with Kelly's mom, <laughs> a little more. Uh-huh. Because, like you, I I don't understand what brings them together because we just don't really know enough about her to know what about him right. is appealing to her. We know a lot about him. Also, he should be constantly like thanking her and kissing her feet for being like oh my god thank you so much for this huge compromise that you and kelly made by like uprooting your successful life in new york city to live with me while i'm a commandant at this school like the again the whole compromises that these women make that just for gary cole for gary cole with a mustache and his spawn (laughs) um 
Ugh, yeah, just... it's 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 not ideal. And yeah, mm-hmm. there's like uh, Kelly and her mother both need to. I mean, we talked about this already, but they have to make too many compromises. Yes. The last thing I want to mention is the Titanic reference. Hello Ooh. in the song that we happens leave. both at the very beginning of the movie during the dance routine. Uh that Kelly and Amanda are doing at the art school. And then again at the end um, during the weirdly edited um, dance routine at the gun recital. Um, I do think before, before we come for the editor, I do think that the movie was pretty significantly re-edited for Disney plus. Oh, okay. My recollection and I think he referenced this a little bit was that the music at the end was swapped out. I think it was originally a different song, which is why the editing kind of looks funky. I think it was oh. like that editing was synced up to a different song to a different... that maybe Disney lost the rights to or I see. But sound off in the comments if you agree. I sort of remember I don't remember that opening song being in it twice. I think that they just kind of piped it in at the end because they still had the rights right. They're to just it. like, oh we yeah, we have this one. Um but in any case, the lyrics, which I can't make sense of, are as follows. <laughs> I wear a disguise, I'm just your average Jane. The super doesn't stand for model, but that doesn't mean I'm plain. If all you see is how I look, you miss the super chick within, and I christen you Titanic underestimate and swim. Now, I don't know what that that. means, but I was like, there's a Titanic If you don't understand what an amazingly empowered woman I am, you're going to drown Drown in the ocean. in the Titanic? (laughs) I think that that's what it's saying. I don't agree with this message. I don't endorse that lyric, but I do love a good Titanic shout out. Yes. Um, Well, anyway, as far as Cadet Kelly goes, I think that was all I had. Did you have anything else? No, no, I, I, uh, we should figure out if this movie passes the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does. does. Yes. It super does. It's, uh, very often to female identifying characters with names talking about uh, the military. Talking and about the drill team. Famously genderless rifles <laughs> and, uh, various things. Yes, this movie pa- passes quite a bit and it mm-hmm. is also like, I mean, it passes between Kelly and Carla. It passes between Kelly and Gloria. It passes between uh, Kelly and Jennifer. Kelly and and her mom. It passes a bunch. Yep. But what would we rate it on our nipple scale? (laughs) This is kind of challenging. If you look at it from the standpoint of the movie focusing on the relationships between several female characters... And how you have a lot of budding friendships or a lot of budding romances, depending on how you look at it. Uh, The fact that it doesn't wedge in a romance with Brad. But, you know, these are reasons to like this movie. It would be nice to have a... I don't know exactly what the intentions of the writers were. But either way, it would have been... It would be nice to have a similar movie where different characters actually identify themselves as queer and then we could have seen actual queer visibility on screen in a movie intended for young people like think how cool it would be if you know this was a story about a bunch of queer kids in military school you know a place where queerness i have to imagine is not tolerated 
But, you know, like if a bunch of queer kids find each other and band together and support each other and maybe kiss sometimes. <laughs> I feel like there's a subplot to that effect in um, that show Sex Education. Anyway, uh, I need to finish watching it. But point is, this is a decom. This is a Disney movie. And, you know, Disney was never going to do that uh, in 2002 or in present day. So even, you know, years after this, we've referenced that Kenny Ortega interview where Kenny Ortega, a queer director, was not allowed to have a queer character in High School Musical. Mm -hmm. So it's like this you know, is certainly not a new trend. But it is, I feel like, yeah, certainly the the closest, like, I mean, according to the list, the third closest we have <laughs> to the a very important list. Um, queer uh, decom. Yes. Um, so uh, that aspect of the movie is what I really latched onto. The other very important part of the movie, which is the um, very pro-military propaganda message that it is perpetuating is not something i uh appreciate like yeah no i mean like again if you want to join the military that's your choice but i would liken a lot of like military ideology to police ideology it's a lot of the same sure. horribly racist sexist homophobic transphobic all the horrible things it's it's basically one and the same to me so i am going to take a very brave anti-military industrial complex stance wow, i know people are going to be attacked you. in the comments <laughs> um so that it, the fact that this movie is like again the story being that like the more kelly is in military school the less sh her individuality and personality remains intact is um scary and upsetting but like the movie framing that is like it's actually awesome that she finally has structure and it's like it's not as though she was a bad kid before she wasn't misbehaving she was and artistic the word structure and the word structure i mean i feel like that's just kind of like a little military dog whistle for like having the personality beat out of you there's d mm -hmm. a difference between structure and right military and structure yes yeah. yes 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 so all of that oh gosh i don't know with all of that in mind <sighs> i think i'm gonna have to give it like two. Oh wow okay <laughs> or maybe less why what were you gonna give it and then i'll copy you i'm kidding <laughs> but... i'm not gonna tell you you pick yours all right i'll give it two well there's also, I mean, between like Carla and Gloria, you do have a few women of color in the movie, but they are also, they are not given nearly as much narrative significance or focus as the two white women leads of Kelly and Jennifer. Um, so we don't love that. Um, I'm going to go down to one and a half. <laughs> I enjoy this movie. I don't, it's not that I hate this movie. I actually like had a fun time watching it, but there's a lot of like very early 2000s Disney, like Disney has its stink all over it. I don't know. It's one and a half. And I'll give both of those nipples to the dance off that happens in the quad. <laughs> uh, I This is, I think, our most significant deviation in a while. I'm going to go with three. Mm. Um, because I, it absolutely, I need to dock it for being early 2000s girl power feminism military propaganda mm -hmm. which um while i completely disagree with it I, 
I mean, you got to give it points for being that specific of the the boxes they're trying to check in, mm-hmm. in the way that this movie is being written. Um, I do think like I I obviously I'm not pro military industrial complex. I, I do think that it is a muddled, not good attempt to try to represent military families on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, because while I am not pro military, I do think you know it's like kids who are in military families also deserve some representation on screen what i don't like is that uh the way that it's represented is so uncritical of the military Mm -hmm. and so pro like well whatever your soldier parent does is the right thing and you you must follow and it's just deeply uncritical so it's Mm -hmm. like representation you don't usually see but it's so unchallenging that it, I feel like it ends up kind of being moot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see, a, you know, a decom about a military family that maybe begins to disagree with the military. Maybe it mm-hmm. starts to have, you know, question it because for all the reasons we've discussed of how deeply prejudiced and um, violent the military can be towards uh, people who do not conform to their ideal, which is uh, cishet white men, cishet white men, super soldier type then you're you're going to be punished and this movie frames that punishment as a character building thing and not a uh, an abuse tactic meant mm-hmm. to beat the personality out of you so i do not like that however uh what i do like is i really 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 like kelly um and she really spoke to me as a kid just as her personality and while I do agree that her personality is diminished by having gone to a military school this movie didn't make me want to go to a military school Mm -hmm. it made me want to be Kelly and maybe kiss a girl like those were the things that I took away from this Mm -hmm. movie uh, as a kid and so those I mean I might be ranking it too high for nostalgia points but I do think that um, this is like as as close to queer representation in a decom that you could get, and in two thousand and two, that was just not something that you were really getting anywhere else in children's media. Mm-hmm. So even this like coded attempt to to show something, I mean, clearly it spoke to a lot of young people because we're still talking about it, mm-hmm. and you know, Kia still has a lot of love for it, and. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like that there are a number of, you know, like could be richer, but fairly rich relationships between the girls that attend the school. I do have an issue with, I think that it is kind of a classic slight to a black character to not make their home life or their background really plot relevant or specific enough. Mm-hmm, for sure. And so I will dock it for that. Maybe I'm giving it a 2.75. But either way, I think that Cadet Kelly does so much that a lot of children's media wasn't even attempting to do. And so even though it flops in some regards, I appreciate the the queer reading of this movie, which is, I like we were saying, it feels basically like text mm-hmm. on a rewatch. <laughs> Um, I love Kelly. Uh, I feel bad for her mom. Mm-hmm. And the military-industrial complex is scary. And I like to think that they both end up getting out of the military and uh, starting a small gardening business together. <laughs> so I'm going to give it 2.75. And I'll give one nipple to Carla and one nipple to Gloria. And uh, my other 0.75 nipple to... The Greg. The Greg. <laughs> Baby Greg, who was born later. 
baby Greg who may who will probably be loved by I mean what Greg's baby Greg's <laughs> we'll parents. Just when she's I, like, I'm God. sure I'll love this baby too. I don't know, maybe. I know. I was just like, <laughs> she needs to ha- get some time off. Like, this is not okay. Um, so yeah. So that's Cadet Kelly. Sorry, there's literally a military plane flying over my house right oh, now. Oh, how um, fitting. Well, so thank you again so much to our special guest, Kia Brown. Make sure to check out her book make sure to follow her on social media she's awesome and she'll be back for uh, a main episode at some point so tune in for that and um yeah thanks for listening matrons thanks for your support bye bean dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey i do too 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.